Um, you realize that prominent black history also includes conservatives, right? That and more today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. America First Insurance Group. Insuring your life, protecting your liberty. It's so important for our audience to know that there's an insurance group out there that is working in such a way that any profits that they might donate are not going to go to liberal causes. America First Insurance Group. We have contact information in the show notes. So if you want to quote, check out our show notes. Welcome to this week's News and Review. And once again, I'm traveling, and this time I'm remote for this podcast segment in the Sunshine State. But even there, we're looking out for the news for you. So the first story that's up is related to the Biden Department of Justice. So there was a gentleman, his name was Asformes. He was actually tried while President Trump was in office. And there was so much prosecutorial misconduct. It was almost unbelievable the things that they did to get this man convicted. In fact, they just received scathing comments from judges and the like. Well, Trump ultimately pardoned this individual. But just as we see that Biden is trying to reverse every executive action, every policy decision from the Trump White House, they're also trying to reverse even pardons, an incredibly dangerous precedent. But what this DOJ department is trying to do is they're actually trying to go back and retry this individual on the six counts in which the jury couldn't reach a verdict. So I think what they're saying is, is well, Trump technically couldn't pardon something this individual was never convicted on. So we're going to go ahead and go back after those six counts that weren't done correctly. I mean, come on. It's actually unbelievable. So then we switch to Nebraska, in which a Democrat introduced a bill that would ban kids from vacation Bible school and church youth camp. Yep, you heard that correct. And in it, this senator, Megan Hunt, says this, because she was really doing it in response to a bill in which the Republicans introduced, which would actually ban minors from attending drag performances. And I think the vast majority of people would say, well, that's actually a good thing. But she calls vacation Bible schools religious indoctrination camps. And she put this forth as sort of a tongue-in-cheek just to make a point. She said, my amendment obviously won't pass, and I would withdraw it if it had the votes to pass. It's a device to make a point, so there's no need to worry. Really? I think there's plenty of reason to worry when we see stories like this. Also, there was a story about a group of Christians who are pushing back against SatanCon 2023. What the heck is that? Yeah, you are correct. It is an event scheduled to take place in downtown Boston, sponsored by the Satanic Temple as the largest Satanic gathering in history. Detractors say the temple is, quote-unquote, using the supernatural to manipulate people. Though the group says, well, we really don't believe in the supernatural. Yeah, it doesn't really matter whether you believe in the supernatural. It is what it is. 
Well, David Kubel, the CEO of Intercessors for America, said we've been tracking these folks for several years. And he said, we have an organization of a half a million prayer warriors, and we take a three-pronged approach to resisting and exposing the satanic temple. That three-pronged approach is news, prayer, and action. Now to what I would call supply chain issues, but there may be something more sinister here. Chicken farms are literally burning to the ground. The chickens are not laying eggs. However, local farmers say when they switch to local feed and away from Purina, all of a sudden their chickens start laying eggs again. Is there something going on at Purina? I could do a whole segment on this, but years ago there was a lot of controversy around Monsanto introducing its GMO seed and what they would do. They would give GMO seed to a farmer. A farmer would plant that, but of course, ultimately, this seed would end up just by environmental reasons, into another field. So even if a farmer grew completely organic and natural crops, but that seed somehow flew over through the air into his farm and Monsanto found out about it, then in essence they could prosecute that farm and go after them for using illegally their seed. It's really crazy. There's so much in the world of farming that we probably should really tackle this with an entire podcast. Speaking of the environment and supply chain, all this, ESG, environmental social governance. Well, if you don't think that this is coming to you, if you don't think this applies to the everyday consumer, you're wrong. Tractor Supply, many of you know Tractor Supply. I like shopping at Tractor Supply. It it is a significant feed brand. Uh, Lots of people get product from there. Well, they have a board member, Joy Brown. He used to be an executive for Vanguard. Vanguard is an index fund with more than $5 trillion under management. Well, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, a lot of these major index funds actually support the World Economic Forum. Remember we talked about that, how the World Economic Forum is actually just a front for environmentalism? Well, even more so, there's another board member, Thomas Kingsbury, who actually bragged about implementing these ESG initiatives while he was an executive at Kohl's. A third board member, Andre Hawa, a former ConAgra executive. ConAgra has been criticized for using genetically modified organisms. I mean, this is crazy, folks. If you think that you're immune to this, you're not. Okay, we're going to switch gears here a little bit from GMO, genetically modified. But you know what? Maybe GMO applies to this story too. Because when we have trans kids who are receiving this quote-unquote gender-affirming care at young ages, It almost sounds like we're genetically modifying our kids. Well, there's a Minnesota bill that would make Minnesota a state trans refuge. It's like it's like a sanctuary for kids seeking transgender medical treatment. I just think this is this is absolutely crazy. We also have this. I I would almost call this a one liner segment. Bill Gates tells Elon Musk that he should not focus on space travel, but rather vaccines. Do I really need to say any more on that? In a set of stories, or should I say a country that's been dominating the news, let's talk about China. I was reading a story about how China is undermining U.S. sanctions against Russia in the Ukraine war. This can't be overstated. China is essentially creating a market at discounted prices for Russian goods, particularly in the energy sector. It allows Russia to have a market to sell their stuff. That way they can still have economic cash flow, but it allows the Chinese to acquire these energy resources at unbelievably low and discounted prices. So that's what our sanctions are doing. They're not completely cutting off Russia, but we're creating more connection between China and Russia, which is not a good thing at all. 
and it's really financially benefiting China, which is horrible. And if there's not already enough stories and things to worry about China, now we have their spy balloon floating across the U.S. Biden's feeling pretty good now, however, because he finally shot it down over the Atlantic as he takes his victory lap. Most of us believe this was a day late and a dollar short. You know, Reagan ended the Cold War, but that pales in comparison to Biden shooting down a balloon. I feel safer already. Thanks, Joe. And lastly, while recording this podcast, my wife and I were visiting family in Key West, Florida. Oh my, I was convicted about how I sit with my inner circle of faith-based friends, and I'm often oblivious to the depths of the lost people around me. I became so aware of that as I watched so many people living the high life of alcohol and self-indulgence. It's been a long time that I have visited a place that felt in my spirit so spiritually dry. Before you finish this podcast, would you just please say a prayer for that community? Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Okay, this is a new series for us. Now, yes, February is Black History Month, and I'm sure we will hear about the Martin Luther King Jr.'s, the Malcolm X's, the Jesse Jackson's, and Reverend Al Sharpton's. But what about Black conservatives? I mean, I certainly would never expect the mainstream media to ever actually report on conservatives. I mean, they are liberal by nature, so why would we expect them to tout conservatives? The answer is no, they would not do that. But thank goodness for you, you are listening to The Grid, where we will do what they will not. So first up on our list today is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Now, Alan West was born in 1961 in Atlanta, Georgia. He does come from a family of military service. His father served in World War II, and his older brother served in Vietnam, and even his mom was a civilian employee in the U.S. Marine Corps. After graduating high school, he did attend the University of Tennessee, so I guess he was a volunteer, and enrolled in the Army ROTC program while he was there. After graduating, he began active duty in 1983. Later, he also earned an advanced degree in political science from Kansas State University, and eventually a master's degree from the U.S. Army Command and General Staff Officer College in Political Theory and Military History and Operations. Now, truth be told, there is a blemish on his military career. He was part of an Iraqi torture incident in which he threatened an Iraqi policeman by firing a gunshot near his head in order to obtain information. The information turned out to be mostly useless at the time. But Wes didn't know that, and he believed that while his methods were wrong that he admitted later, he was ultimately trying to protect his soldiers. But what he did was not to such a degree that he was dishonorably discharged. He was eventually fined $5,000, and he was allowed to retire from the military with the rank of lieutenant colonel. That set the stage for his political career. So politically speaking, he began his career in 2008. He was the Republican nominee for Florida's 22nd congressional district, in which he lost to Democrat incumbent. Ron Klein. Then in 2010, it was a rematch, and he won the seat that time, and it coincided with significant Republican gains in that year's midterm elections. So he took office in January 2011 as the first African-American Republican member of Congress from Florida since 1876, well over 100 years. West was a high-profile member of the Tea Party Caucus and the Tea Party Movement. In fact, I would say in many ways, he was the embodiment of the Tea Party Movement even the face of that movement. He was a firebrand with his words, but calm and stoic with his demeanor. And when I say that, what I mean is a lot of times what he said, people took offense to, even though he didn't say it in a hateful way. He just spoke some hard truth. 
Sometimes he was referred to as a firebrand conservative. He made comments during his time in Congress for such things like uh, harsh words about Islam, descriptions of President Obama as a low-level socialist agitator. I'm not sure what's wrong with that. And he accused 81 Democratic members of Congress as communists. And actually, I think Wes might have actually been wrong about that. I think there's way more than 81 Democrats in Congress who are actually communists. But that's a whole nother story. Then in 2010, Florida did some redistricting because of the census, and he switched to Florida's 18th congressional district for the 2012 elections, and he lost to Democratic nominee Patrick Murphy. So then after that, after his time in Congress, he ran for the chairmanship of the Republican Party of Texas in 2020. He became the new state chairman after he defeated the incumbent chairman, James Dickey, in 2020. And on, in 2021, he announced his resignation as the GOP chair after one year, fueling speculation that he was going to challenge Governor Greg Abbott, which is exactly what he did in the 2022 gubernatorial primary. Ultimately, he was defeated by Abbott in the primary, and I was really sad to hear that because West is a patriot. He is a true conservative, and Abbott has been, let's just say, reluctant at times to be bold unless the Tea Party and Republicans bring pressure to bear upon him. I personally love Alan West because he says things that no one else will say, even though we are all thinking it. He is a patriot, he loves his country, and even if he's not a perfect individual. And I would say, don't just take my word for it. Let's listen to this short clip as he tackles the issue of militant Islam. A Marine asked a question to a panel about Islam, and several others who answer first kind of dance around the issue. But then Alan West decides that he will answer. Hi, uh, Caleb Howam with RedState.com, which is a blog, if you couldn't tell by my tennis shoes. Uh, I was, I'm also a former Marine, so I may be a little unrefined here. My question is mainly for the warriors. We were talking about how to identify the enemy, and last week, Helen Thomas, pausing for booing, uh, she was, uh, it was after the Christmas bombing incident, and they were talking with the uh, counterterrorism czar, and her question was, why do they want to do this? And the answer was, you know, well, because there's this uh, warped version of Islam that is motivating them. And her question again was, why? Why would they warp a religion in order to attack us as if that was the order that it happened in? So we've got to attack America. Let's warp Islam. How, what do you say to people who will jump through any mental hoops in order to make us the bad guy? Because her conclusion is that, we, that they are fighting a war to be isolated and sovereign, not a war against us. How do you answer people like that? You're the smartest guy here. We're going to stick you with the hardest question. We got some legal advice here. Maybe we can figure this out. I'd say take the fifth. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just—they just have to increase their understanding of what's going on. I mean, they just—they don't understand the foundation of what's going on, so they need to increase their reading. Sure, but people like Helen Thomas drive the debate that other people see every day on TV. How do you answer them? How do you explain to them why she's wrong? Hopefully, there are other voices out there that are that are rational. And uh, they can explain it in ways that yeah, they're not the White House press corps. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let me let me say this, and and this, I don't care about being popular, or whatever. The first thing you got to do is you got to study and understand who you're up against, and you must realize that this is not a religion that you're fighting against. You're fighting against a theopolitical belief system and construct. You're fighting against something that's been doing uh, this thing since 622 A.D., seventh century, 1388 years. 
You want to dig up Charles Martel and ask him why he was fighting the Muslim army at the Battle of Tours in 732? You want to ask the uh, Venetian fleet at Lepanto why they were fighting a Muslim fleet in 1571? You want to ask the Christian, uh, I mean, the, the Germanic and Austrian knights why they were fighting at the gates of Vienna in 1683? You want to ask people what happened at Constantinople and why today is called Istanbul because they lost that fight in 1453? You need to get into the Quran. You need to understand their precepts. You need to read the, uh, the surah. You need to read the hadiths. And then you can really understand this is not a perversion. They are doing exactly what this book says. Thank you. But, all right. And I'm going to close, I want to close by saying this. And I, and I think we have, we have said this all through this morning so far. Until you get principal leadership in the United States of America that is willing to say that, we will continue to chase our tail because we will never clearly define who this enemy is and then understand their goals and objectives, which is on any jihadist website, and then come up with the right and proper goals and objectives to not only secure our republic, but to secure Western civilization. Thank you. you know and folks, that is why I love Alan West. He says the hard things. Truthfully, not with anger. He's not being angry and and violent with his words, if you, so to speak. He's just saying, hey, this is what it is. They're doing exactly what they say they're going to do. And I think we need a lot more of that in Congress, don't you? So thank you, Alan West, for being a strong black conservative. Ambassador Alan Keyes, when we return. Did you know you could join the fight for faith and freedom in our nation by simply subscribing to The Grid? Just hit the subscribe button there on your podcast app. And subscriptions are free. From here on out, you will receive the latest episode when it's released. And get this, even if you don't have time to listen. How does that help fight for faith and freedom? Your subscription adds one more to our weekly download tally. The bigger the download numbers, the easier it is to find the grid in a search. So, your subscription helps expand the audience, whether you listen or not. The larger the following, the larger our potential to reach the nation. From all of us at the Kingdom Patriot Group and the grid, thanks for joining the fight for faith and freedom just by subscribing. So, okay, on to our second black conservative, and that is Ambassador Alan Keyes. Now, he has not been in the limelight for quite a few years, but for personal reasons, I really like Alan, and I'll share that in just a bit. He was born in 1960 in, in Queens. Like Alan West, Keyes has, uh, well, I should say his family anyway, he has some background in the military. His father, Allison Keyes, was a U.S. Army sergeant and a teacher, and because of his father's military service, his family traveled frequently and lived in all over the place, really, places like Georgia, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Texas, Virginia, even overseas in Italy. Now, after high school, Keyes went to Cornell University, where he studied political philosophy with American philosopher and essayist Alan Bloom. Keyes would later say that actually Bloom was a professor who really probably influenced him the most in regards to his undergraduate studies. Keyes also talked about his time at Cornell, that the death threats that he and other students received because of the refusal to participate in protests against the Vietnam War and other demonstrations. I think that is crazy. So Keyes eventually, after those incidents, left Cornell, and he spent a year in Paris under a Cornell study abroad program connected with Bloom. 
Later, Keyes went ahead and went to Harvard University. He completed his Bachelor of Arts in Government in 1972, graduating magna cum laude. In his first year of graduate school, Keyes' roommate was William Crystal. That is the same Crystal that in 1988 ran Keyes' unsuccessful U.S. Senate campaign in Maryland. Keyes also earned his Ph.D. in Government from Harvard in 1979, having written a dissertation on Alexander Hamilton and constitutional theory under Harvey Mansfield. Keyes and his family were staunch supporters of the Vietnam War because his father served two tours of duty there. So Keyes was often criticized by his opponents because of his support for the Vietnam War, but he says he was supporting his father and his brothers who were over there fighting, and I certainly can't blame him for that. A year after completing his doctoral studies, Keyes joined the U.S. State Department as a protege of Jean Kirkpatrick, and in 1979, he was assigned to the consulate in Mumbai, India. The following year, Keyes was sent to serve at the embassy in Zimbabwe. Then in 1983, President Reagan appointed Keyes as the ambassador to the United Nations Economic and Social Council, and in 1985, he was appointed Assistant Secretary of State for International Organizations until 1987. He also served on the staff of the National Security Council. Um, at one time at a fundraiser for Keyes' Senate campaign, President Reagan actually spoke of Keyes' time as ambassador, saying that he did such an extraordinary job defending our country against the forces of anti-Americanism, Reagan continued. I've never known a more stout-hearted defender of a strong America than Alan Keyes. In 1987, Keyes was appointed a resident scholar for the American Enterprise Institute. His principal research there was diplomacy, international relations, and self-government. Now, politically speaking, Alan Keyes actually had two failed Senate runs in Maryland in 1988 and 1992. Not surprising, super blue state. And then he also ran for president of the United States in 1996, 2000, and 2008. People probably don't realize that in 2004, with less than 90 days before the election, the Republican Party drafted Keyes to run against an unknown Illinois senatorial candidate named Barack Hussein Obama. Keyes was able to win 27% of the vote, which I think is a pretty impressive showing given the bluest of blue states in Illinois. But he also faced significant opposition because of his pro-life stance. Keyes is unabashedly pro-life. In fact, this is what he stated. He opposes abortion in all cases except as an inadvertent result of efforts to save the mother's life. In my opinion, he's certainly on the right side of that issue. Can we all agree how much better our country would be if Keyes had defeated Obama in that senatorial run in 2004? Now back to the 1996 presidential election. I actually had the opportunity well, actually, both my wife and I had the opportunity to serve on his presidential campaign, and I happened to serve as the state treasurer in the Houston district for that campaign while we lived there in Houston. And through that, I learned more about the man and his positions. He's a very devout Catholic, has a deep love for our country. And at that time, had he won the primary, he would have been going toe-to-toe with Bill Clinton, which I would have loved to see. Clinton was a schmoozer who tried to woo you with his Southern charm. But Keyes was a master debater, and he would have cleaned his clock in an honest and fair debate. In fact, let's just listen to an example when Alan Keyes was debating Barack Obama in 2004, specifically on the issue of foreign policy in the Middle East and terrorism. What role do you think the Israeli-Palestinian conflict plays in fueling potential terrorism against the United States? Oh, I think that we have seen in the Middle East, unhappily, that in the context of uh, the ongoing Arab hostility to Israel it has become an incubator of terrorism. And I think that was partially because of the response that was there from 
the rest of the world, including some previous administrations, the Europeans and others, who allowed terrorists with the blood still dripping from their hands to sit down at so-called tables of peace negotiations uh, in order to collect the ill-gotten gains that they had uh, achieved by going after innocent lives. I think that's a great mistake. I think the Bush administration the real question, Mr. has Keith, followed if I may, the if real I, If objective. I may interrupt, the real question was, to what extent is the unresolved nature of the conflict fueling potential terrorism against the United States? That's what I meant to ask. No, that's not the real question. The real question is whether or not, by making concessions to terrorists over the course of several decades, we in fact helped to create the mentality uh, that has then led to a widespread and global threat from terrorism. If we had made it clear, as the Bush administration has, that we will not negotiate with those who practice terrorism, then perhaps we wouldn't have encouraged the adoption of terrorism as a strategic weapon on the part of some Palestinian groups, some in the Arab world, who think that they have gotten away with it, they have reaped rewards from it, they have killed innocent lives in Israel, on the Ashil Loro, at the Olympic Games, and at each stage we were willing to go forward with a process that then rewarded them for this terrorist death. I think the real question is whether or not we shouldn't have started to say no to terrorism long before we did. Then maybe we wouldn't have been struck on September 11th. Wow, that is calling it like it is. Given his diplomacy and international experience, Keith speaks with high authority on these types of foreign relation issues. In fact, I heard one time Keith say in a speech, we've become a self-indulgent and litigious society. We want all the benefits of freedom, but none of the cost. Unlike many politicians today, Keyes is a pro-life, pro-liberty, America-first black conservative. That's why he got my vote in 1996, and he would likely get it today if he was running again. And I think if you see these two conservatives, one thing you'll see in commonality is they both reject two prominent liberal stances. One is the policy of appeasement. If we just give the bad guys more and more, they will like us and treat us nicely. The second tendency, the second false premise, is that we need to shrink back from saying the hard truth because we don't want to offend anyone. I would never say that we should be offensive in how we speak by yelling with angry rancor, but to be offensive because you speak hard truth that someone else doesn't want to hear, that's nonsense. Jordan Peterson would tell you if you have honest communication, there's going to be conflict and people are going to be offended. Folks, this is why I'm a big fan of Lieutenant Colonel Alan West and former presidential and senatorial candidate, Ambassador Alan Keyes. Thanks for joining us as we celebrate Black History Month in the first of our four-part series. Visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. Music